This episode of the Tokunet podcast is sponsored by Tokulectables, CS Toys Japan, and the webcomic Red Belt. If you would like to hear your name or business at the beginning of the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash the Tokunet. Hey everyone, welcome to the 57th episode of the Tokunet podcast. Now we have a really interesting episode that's going to be more upbeat and positive compared to episode 56 where we talked about the coronavirus. So today we're going to be talking about all the different ways people in the tokusatsu community express creativity, whether that's through art, cosplay, honoring tokusatsu in so many different ways. I'm really excited to be having this conversation and to be joined by some wonderful people. So let me introduce all of them. Uh, Say hello, Mal. You're always on the podcast with us. Hi. Spoilers for what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) And we have a, a new team member on the podcast, Max. Say hello. Konnichiwa from Japan. Hi. Oh, that was lovely. I like that very much. And last but not least, our featured guest. Well, I say that for anybody that comes from the community to join our podcast. But we have Procrastor Ranger, aka Seija. Say hello. Hello, everyone. Ooh, I'm so excited. This is going to be lots of fun. It's always really fun when we can have new team members come on the podcast and people from the community. So like, let's let's have a good discussion. So we have a really interesting set of people here that have many different awesome skills related to creating art of all different types. So Seija, as you are our featured guest, would you like to talk about, you know, how you got into cosplay, what inspired you to, you know, go into cosplay if there maybe was a particular tokusatsu character, and also talk about how you got into tokusatsu? Okay, um, so, as you know, my name is Procrastoranger, I am very into tokusatsu cosplay. I've been cosplaying since around 2013, but was into tokusatsu since maybe 2005. That sounds like a really long time ago when I say it that way. But anyways, um, so from 2015 to 18, I ran a U.S.-based tokusatsu toy store called Japan Hero Collectibles. And if you visited my booth, you might have seen me cosplaying there. I've also judged the cosplay contests at PMC and Japan World Heroes. So... Let's see, how did I get into cosplay? It was pretty random. I don't think I knew that cosplay existed until way after other people were aware of it. But I think I saw like a video of San Diego Comic-Con and was like, oh, this looks super fun. I should go do this. And so I decided that I was going to cosplay Tomoko from Kamen Rider Forze. So I bought a cosplay. Yes, she's so cute. She was my favorite and I love that series. (laughs) <laughs> she, it, it is one of the best and she was one of the most like enjoyable characters mm-hmm. 
we need more of these cute goth girls in Ryder. I'm just saying. <laughs> totally agree. I would argue of all the Common Rider Club, that was one where I was like, oh, it would have been cool to see her as a writer. She would have made an amazing writer. Shit, that would have been so, that would be so interesting. Like, she could have combined with Nadeshko, and maybe, like, Nadeshko could have had the, like, goth form. <laughs> I'm sorry, the thought of that is so funny. Oh my god. The Sotomo, yeah, she was your first cosplay? Yes. Um, yeah, and I knew literally nobody. I showed up at a convention three hours away in Chicago. I live in Wisconsin. And um, I was like, here I am. No one's going to know who I am. But people did know who I was. And those people have honestly become my friends ever since. I met so many people that weekend. People were so friendly. Um, there was a tiny tokusatsu shoot compared to what it is today. Um, and I was like instantly hooked. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Because the cons nowadays, well, you know, when we had conventions, um, <laughs> you would be, yeah, you'd be surprised how many Togu fans show up to even like the smaller type conventions. It's crazy how things have changed. Oh my gosh. I remember one of my favorite con memories was, uh, do you know London MCM? Yeah. Yes. Um, so my anime club at university used to do trips there every so often. And I think it was my fourth or fifth time going because it's you know it's twice a year and we always like went to went every every time um and i was walking through and i saw someone cosplaying melee from geki ranger <gasps> oh my god and i i love taking photos of cosplayers and i was just like oh i know that character i really want to take a photo and i walked up and just like sorry can i take your photo take your photo it's geki ranger it's so cool and she and this woman was just like you know Geki Ranger? That makes me so happy. No one else has known who I am today. <laughs> oh my god. Especially Melee, too. Like, that outfit. Oh, don't even talk about that outfit. That's my dream cosplay. Oh my god. I think that was, that was, that must have been like 10 years ago now or something when, I, when that happened. Wow. wow. Oh man, I just felt old. <laughs> that's how i felt introducing myself but yes there's nothing like when no one recognizes you at a convention and then someone's like oh my god i love the same thing you do that's much rarer now but back then that was definitely the case that happened all the time oh my god yeah i can imagine like how the toku cosplay community was definitely a little bit smaller then and there wasn't i don't know there just wasn't that much attention to cosplaying you know cosplayers that were tokusatsu fans which is such a shame because there's so many great characters and like i mean personally seijo you've done some awesome cosplays like over the years like holy crap but i Thank won't go you. too fangirling in this podcast <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so from from the doing uh or cosplaying her in forza i mean what what kept you going what other cosplays did you end up uh creating or you know, making over the years that you want to highlight? Well, there's so many. Like, I think I'm on my 45th cosplay at this point. Um, one thing I've really liked doing is just making different types of cosplays. Like, I've done civilian characters from Rider and Sentai. I've done, like, full 
like Sentai Power Rangers suits with helmets and everything. Um, I've done rider suits. Um, probably my favorite cosplay is my dangerous zombie rider ton because oh, it's yeah. really fun just making something creative and you get to start with your own design. Now I really want to do a Tomoko rider ton. You guys have me thinking here. <gasps> Oh, girl. Girl, don't even. I will look forward to that if you do it. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about, like, seeing your cosplays. That I've, I've definitely seen, like, how much creative energy you put into them, how much, even just for, like, civilian looks. I know, you know, it's a mix of, like, sometimes you get to buy the premium Bandai stuff, and other times you just kind of go thrifting around to find something so i can definitely uh admire how much work goes into that too that's one of the fun things about cosplay is that no matter what you're doing it's going to be somewhat of a crafts project um even if you buy it you still need to deal with wig styling and makeup or maybe it doesn't quite fit and maybe everything is just maybe you bought everything and that's fine but you still have to work on posing in your own style in the costume so no matter what or where you get it from yours is always going to be unique and that's something which I really love about it oh my gosh that's so true that's so nice that just makes my heart so happy (laughs) (laughs) okay so Max so since we're kind of talking about like you know creating your own cosplays creating your own things like that why don't you tell us about how you got into creating your own independent tokusatsu production like that is so cool that's like next level cosplay (laughs) oh yeah it's something so for those who don't know i am also well i technically founded the group shield and sword productions which is a youtube channel where essentially essentially the content is three areas there's the like some some project i randomly want to make uh, there are pro- there are a, there are a series of vid- videos about like introducing um, like stuff that happens in Japan, like um, concepts that are very unique to Japan. Um, and then there's the independent tokusatsu. Um, so I have so far made at least one independent tokusatsu series, and that was called Cyber Ninja Tekaraja. I, I have the I have the opening theme key- keyed up here. If you don't mind me plugging it for just a second. Oh my god, please do. That'll be so much fun. Okay, so this is Cyber Ninja Tekaraja, available on iTunes by uh, master musician Endor Stahe. Ninja, 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 Tekaraja. Oh my gosh, that's so like Geki Ranger too. <laughs> I just hear the flute and I'm just like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that, I'm like, that's Gekki Ranger, man. Nah. 
Okay, I'll stop it there. That's basically the first opening. That's so interesting. Like, there's a lot of different Sentai shows I kind of associate with the kind of sound and style. Like, I totally was like, wow, this sounds like Geki Ranger, but it also kind of sounds like Shinkenger in some ways. Like, that's so cool. Yeah, so it's a it's a ninja-themed hero. Um, it was the first independent tokusatsu I ever made. And uh, you asked me how I came about uh, making this. Uh, pure dumb luck, I'm going to say. All right, I can, I can appreciate that. So I've always enjoyed filmmaking. I've done it as a job and I've done it as a, like I learned at a university and I've always wanted to like make my own stuff. And then at university, someone introduced me to Tokusatsu and I was like, I want to make this. And so when I started living out here in Japan, I was like, I live in Japan now. I'm surrounded by all these creative people I know. I'm going to have a go at trying making this. And I did. And so... Uh, I met various various other people who are involved in the project. Uh, some of the most important was uh, the person who made the suit for Cyber Ninja Tekka By the way, just to plug something real quickly, um, Cyber Ninja Tekka is available on YouTube. If you look it up, you can watch all three projects from that. Yes. And uh, so the person who made the suit is actually a former employee of Rainbow, which, for those who don't know, is the company who make uh, Super Sentai outfits... Uh, and this guy in particular worked on Kamen Rider 5 through Kamen Rider Kabuto. Whoa. Yeah, so I got very lucky meeting him. Um, And some of the other people I met, I met, um, I forget the exact spelling of the name now, um, but it's the, I believe it's the Red Action Unit, which are a group of um, suit actors and stuntmen in Tokyo. One of the hardest things I faced when... Uh, trying to get this project moving was finding people who could do the tokusatsu action and who could do the stunts and everything. And so I sent out a bunch of emails to various people and I emailed this red action group being just like, hey, um, I'm trying to make it in this independent thing. Is there any chance you could give me any advice or like if you could like let me know if there's someone who could help? And what happened was someone from that group actually came and contacted me. Uh, they set up a meeting with me and introduced me to... Uh, to himself and two other professional stuntmen and tokusatsu actors. Huh. So of those hmm. three, one of them, the guy who I had a meeting with, used to do basically all of the red um, suit acting at the old uh, Tokyo Dome City so- stage shows. Like he showed really? me footage. Of, yeah, he showed me footage of him uh, in the Mega Ranger outfit, riding a roller coaster and shooting lasers off the top of it as it went past. Oh my god, those videos are iconic, man. Um, and uh, the other of the other two, one of them is uh, actively is an active stunt man. He plays a uh, Stretch Man Green, which is like a, a part of a kids show. I, I'm still trying to find it, but um, but he's also um, actively doing lots of stunts, action stuff. And the other one is um, someone who used to do uh, Owl Ranger and uh, Rider Man. Uh, like the guy who was the suit actor for those, I don't think in the original shows, just given the time frame, but like in the whenever they appear in recent stuff, like I think he did it in he said he did it in the uh, superhero Tyson. Wow. So 
I met those guys and I got together my like team. I found some actors and I just went about and tried to film it. And I made the first Tekarija project video and I really, really enjoyed that. And I wanted to make more. So I went back to the suit act and I was just like, I'd like to make a sequel to this. Uh, can we um, give him a rival character, get some more like cool villain actors? Because because um, so far I didn't really... Well, okay, I'll come back to that. Um, so anyway, and we gave Tekaraja a power-up and that led into uh, parts two and three of Tekaraja. Wow. So if, if you ask me like in detail how it happened, I just, I don't know. I, I just got lucky and met random people. Like one of the great things about living in Japan now is that I'm surrounded by people who I, I, who understand me and who I understand and who are on the same wavelength. And all these people were just like, this guy is trying to make an independent tokusatsu. He's paying for it out of his own pocket and he's absolutely fucking insane. Let's help him. <laughs> like that, that was it. They're just like, they, they weren't getting paid. I don't think I paid them 10% of what they would have made on a proper s- shoot. I basically paid for their transport and a bit extra to show how grateful I was that they turned up. Um, and that, and otherwise they just supported me because I was like gun ho and trying to do something very mad and very bold. And, you know, it just sort of spiraled from there really. Wow. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. I know I have more questions, but <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, ask whatever you like. We had, uh, like, after finishing, when I finished filming the third project, I set up, a, like, a screening event in Akihabara where um, uh, director Oda, who directs, like, various uh, uh, various Ultraman films, um, I don't have his... I should have looked this up. I should have remembered exactly what it was. But, um, but um, he came and saw... And um, that was amazing. Um, and the, and the, the event itself was like, it ended up being quite small, but it was still like really awesome to see all these people turn up just to come and watch this thing that I'd built up, that I'd done as a hobby, essentially. Wow. I'm like speechless because I love seeing and hearing about just putting so much work into your hobbies and, you know, getting recognition from people is of course really really nice i mean who doesn't love that but it is something when you can say that you've worked with people in the industry as well so that is certainly very very cool oh my gosh it was a great experience yeah and i can just imagine how much you know it helped fuel your love for tokusatsu even more can you tell us how you got into tokusatsu um, so when I was younger, I would always watch like Power Rangers and, uh, Saban's Masked Rider and, uh, Mystic Knights of Tin and Og. Uh, that's important. I'll come back to that one. Um, and <laughs> I watched all this stuff, but being a dumb kid, I didn't know Japan existed, let alone, um, whether all of like, let alone how it connected to Tokusatsu. And then um, I then when I was older, I started getting more into anime and watching various anime stuff. Um, and then at university, I joined um, an anime club. And uh, one of the people there was really into Tokusatsu. And one day he did a screening of Kamen Rider Alls. Oh. And I was like, hey, this looks like some, that Kamen Rider, that Masked Rider thing I used to watch. 
And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, that was Black RX. I was just like, is there more of this? And yeah, I, he showed me like where to download some stuff. And I went away and basically binged watched O's, uh, caught up on Fours, which was um, screening at the time. And um, then then like went into what then went and watched Decayed and Gokaija back to back. And from that was just like, okay, I want to know more about this show. I want to watch this series. And, you know, it just sort of spiraled from there. Wow. Yeah, my first tokusatsu was, well, my first Kamen Rider was also O's because somebody was like, hey, check this out while I was in college. So it, that's I think a lot of people crazy. are like that these days. Like, it, it, O's was a great mm. series to get people into the, into the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. It definitely hooked me, so I ain't complaining. Um, Mal, why don't we talk about, like, you do a lot of different, like, creative things, I've noticed. So not only do you do, like, your own, you know, illustrations, you write, like, tell us about all of that and, like, what, in, what really, like, inspired you to start doing that for tokusatsu? Ooh, t- tough act to follow, but I'll try. <laughs> uh... Let's see. Well, first, uh, obviously, I draw a lot. Um, I, I think I got into writer in 2009 and just mainly did fan art for a while, just uh, characters from the show. But around 2011, I, I know that I definitely have some old text files of ideas for fan fiction up to 2012. Uh, none of them really went anywhere. Uh, I definitely see a text file called Decade Done Right, Chapter One. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of different attempts at that. But anyway, um, 2012, Wizard was on TV, and for a while I was I was into it, but there was part of me that was like, boy, it seems like this has a lot of potential with the lore. It's a shame that the show isn't really making use of that. Maybe I should do something of my own to kind of make use of that stuff and do a little bit of world building within the show that uh, doesn't really do much world building. And uh, that, that was kind of the start of writing fan fiction that's different from what I was doing before because it actually mainly focuses on making my own characters in that world. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you do that quite a bit is create like yeah. really cool original characters. Frankly, I don't think I've written anything or completed anything that didn't involve a fan character, apart from an original writer, but I guess I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, in general, I think fan fiction will kind of get some raised eyebrows. Oh yeah, you're writing fan fiction. Uh, I think especially when you say fan characters are being used, but I try to keep in mind not to go in any of the directions people would expect. Like, I don't I. To this day, I have not written anything that even involves romance, let alone Ooh. between a fan character and an official one. Hmm. That is interesting. I also mainly tend to make my main writer of each series a female writer, more often than not. Can I just start clapping like, Jesus, why can't <laughs> Common Writer and, and Sentai mm-hmm. do that more often? One thing I've wanted to do for ages is like, um, a, a female heavy common rider like spin-off like sort of like first like the first and the next where it's like darker tone and it's a woman who's been forcefully turned into a common rider and like there's a lot of potential for that but it's just really sad that there isn't much of that in Japan 
Well, I, I would recommend watching an anime called Madoka Magica. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching. I've watched the sequel as well. Ah, I still need to see that. Um, yeah, <laughs> you mentioned like a, a female heavy series that was something on my mind uh, in terms of original content is, oh, what if I did something that was mainly female characters, but I uh, haven't done that yet. Um, in general, I have uh, not been writing as much as I used to, uh, especially in 2020, uh, the big corona, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. the Ultraman Zero form, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the big thing that I definitely uh, put way mu too much time into was with Common Rider Gaim. Uh, as people know, that is my top favorite. Oh, same. It's it's one of the best shows ever. Agreed. Yeah, I I started a series that uh, mainly originally mainly focused on the whole Invis game stuff. It was just like, what if I had my own team just in the Invis games, and then. Once I started introducing elements of the early episodes after several chapters, uh, it eventually spiraled into what if I just retell the show but make changes as a result of the characters I've added. Hmm. And uh, some notable changes early on is that uh, Gridon ends up being pals with uh, the uh, the guy who originally was had the belt that Pierre stole and transformed into Bravo. Ooh, so it's like a different Bravo. And uh, as a result of that, Kurokage goes down a different path. He doesn't die, by the way. <laughs> Spoilers now. That, that show is like six years old. I think we can be forgiven for any spoilers. <laughs> well, seven years old. Hopefully. Oh, God, I'm old. Uh... Yeah, also, spoilers for my own fanfiction. Later on, I kill off one of the main characters. I won't say which one. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. Now you guys gotta go read. Oh, hell yeah. Mm. It was definitely a thing where one of the people regularly reading just said, hey, you made this typo. Also, did you just do that? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, that's a definitely a world that I've contributed a lot to. Uh, I guess notably since I wrote a lot of stuff after the show ended. Uh New developer at Yggdrasil, uh, replacing Ryoma, is a female writer. Surprising no one. <laughs> That's funny. Mm, and uh, I guess I'll just end by saying that uh, in 2016, I started Common Writer Styler, which is an artist, uh, an art-themed writer. Uh, sadly, I have not uh, updated it in four years, but or I think... No, it's more recently I've updated it, but uh, it is planned to have multiple story arcs. The first one is complete, and then there's a uh, an equivalent to a movie, which has Kamen Rider Aqua, before Gio made it cool. Oh, I always loved Aqua. Oh my god. Oh. Boy, I ended up making him a lot more serious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, oh man, maybe one day Aqua could have his own series. That would be awesome. But don't let me get on that tangent, because I will. Maybe one day he'll get an actual figure. <laughs> <sighs> Mal, don't start with me. Mm. I, I thought Aqua had a figure, like a cheap, like before they did the whole like reboot of the um, in a frame thing. Uh, 
So they made a chibi keychain and they made a vinyl figure and that's it. Oh. Oh, actually, they also made a chibi statue, but still. Oh, those chibi statues are the best, though. They're cute. They're really, mm-hmm. really cute. Oh, my God. All right, this isn't a toy podcast. I could go on about toys. Y'all can listen to our Tokusatsu Toys podcast. I forgot what episode it is. But anyways, there oh, is. don't let me go on a tangent, y'all. You know I can do that very, very well. But why don't we jump into talking about like what really goes into you know creating all the different things that you guys do? So Seja, do you want to talk about kind of the tools that you use when you're creating a cosplay? You know, equipment, like all that kind of stuff that maybe people don't realize. You know how much work goes into a cosplay. Sure, um, I would say for cosplay, mostly what goes into it is time. Um, mm. Until very recently, I was in a top floor apartment with very limited space, and so that kind of affected what I would use to make cosplays. Um, I had a sewing machine, a heat gun, and an X-Acto knife, and those were my main tools. Um, so for each cosplay, I would decide what I was going to make. Um, if I was making it from scratch, I'd wind up kind of patterning it out on a dress form. Um, And then whether it was armor or fabric, um, often I'd make a mock-up so that way I only mess up once. (laughs) And then I would make the actual thing afterwards. Oh boy, I know that pain. It's amazing what you can make with very simple tools. Like one thing I like about cosplay is that it doesn't have this huge initial investment necessarily of like, you need thousands and thousands of dollars of fiberglass and like a garage and all this crazy business. You don't. you can pretty much make do with whatever you have, which is fun. Yeah, I like I do like that. That's what I enjoy about cosplays. You can even, you know, there's fun things to do, like going to your local thrift store and finding outfits that or pieces that could work and like taking it apart or, you know, there's all sorts of fun stuff like that. Like how did, when you were first starting cosplay, what what would you say that your, like, skills at crafting were like compared to, you know, how you feel about your skills now? Like, what did you learn when you were creating all these cosplays? Well, I would say that I started out with basically zero skills. Like, I remember at some point before that, my mom yelling at me because I couldn't sew a pillowcase. So (laughs) I went from that (laughs) to, like, sewing clothes and bodysuits. But, I mean, it took a couple of years Um, One thing which I always tried to do was to each project just kind of push my crafting skills a bit more. So for like Tomoko, all I made was the hair accessory, everything else I bought. Um, And then the next cosplay, I think might have been Escape. And I made, I think I made the jacket and that was it. And then I redid it and then I made Mm -hmm. the pants. And so like each time, like I would add on a different element or something which I had never done before and... I guess three or four years later, I could pretty much make anything which I felt like setting my mind to, which was awesome to see that kind of progress. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. And as the person who had escaped, that was really well done. (laughs) Like, I would have never guessed, uh, you know, how it started out originally, because I mean, I felt that I felt so badass in that costume, and I know (laughs) you looked badass in it, too, so... 
Yeah, crazy. Yeah, for those who don't know, I have basically bought off a lot of Sage's cosplays over the year because I'm just like, she's really good at what she does. Like, I gotta, I gotta inherit some of this good crafting ability because I definitely started the same way where I just, I had nothing and I had no skills. So it's really fun when you can kind of learn different things too from cosplay and seeing like you come up with something and making it work in real life like what would you say was the most difficult cosplay for you to create um kivala for sure because it was the first full rider suit which i did but i made her sword all of her armor yeah very tough i think it had a hundred pieces um, mm-hmm. one thing which was really fun is, so I live in Wisconsin where the weather's horrible. And so there's a very narrow window when you can spray paint things and have them actually work out. So, um, I was spray painting everything. I was living in an apartment and this woman and her kid comes by and he goes, oh my God, Common Rider. I love Common Rider. And he recognized it just from the pieces lying out. Holy I was like, crap. what are the chances of this? <laughs> it was like i want to see it one day so yeah i got to show him the picture when it was done a few months later which was really awesome but yeah i'd say that was definitely the most challenging because it had the armor pieces and it had a bodysuit which is really complicated and is all made of vinyl i think i sweat off like 10 pounds wearing that thing (laughs) oh my gosh i mean it looked freaking amazing and i know you were working really really hard on that yeah wow Uh, are you on instagram or anything because i want to see these pictures yes i am on instagram also at procrastinator i apologize recently it's mostly pictures of my cat but if you look on twitter and scroll back a bit you can see all my cosplays just search like procrastinator cosplay i kind of did a retrospective of all the ones (laughs) yeah no i mean that's a that was a crazy cosplay, and I know you you even had to work on it in the hotel. I remember. That. Oh yeah, yes. I think I was still spray painting parts in the hotel after transport. I was like, I'll just lay down this like garbage bag in this hotel in the bathtub, and my roommates are like, not sure you should be doing that. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm making it work. <laughs> I just remember I... like walking into the room and just like. I think I smell like the faint <laughs> whiff of spray paint and I see the armor everywhere and I'm just like, all right, I know that dedication. I've been there. I've been Disclaimer, there. do not do this. Your hotel will get mad at you if you mess it up. <laughs> yeah, true. Don't do that. Definitely don't do that. <laughs> but I'm called Procrastinator for a reason. I always procrastinate something until the last second. I My friend gave me my name. I didn't give it to myself. I earned it. <laughs> <laughs> you earned it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, you're gonna make me laugh so hard. That's so funny. Yeah, that seems like a really challenging cosplay. Can you tell me about some of the, like, or tell us about the materials that you use to make that come together? Well, so the bodysuit is all vinyl. Um, I'm so happy that cosplay vinyl has become a thing. Really, supplies are much more available now than they were in the past. So if you want to get into cosplay, you can just go to Joanne's and buy whatever at this point. It's awesome. Yep. Anyways, I digress. Um, So the bodysuit was all vinyl. Um, The boots, I bought the base boots and then all of the additional designs are done in foam. Um, A lot of the pieces are either foam or warbler, which is this plastic, which you basically use a heat gun to heat and then shape over foam. So that way it keeps its shape. Um, 
I often use that just because it stands up longer than foam and isn't as easily damaged. And since I knew I was moving this cosplay across the country, I was like, this needs to be plastic and not foam. It cannot fall apart on me. Um, I also like using magnets a lot. So literally everything is magneted on. It's crazy. I'm sure I would like set off a magnetic detector like crazy wearing that thing. <laughs> I think I magneted the shoulder piece. I don't know what that thing is called. Like the weird bat shoulder thing. I had it magneted onto my shoulders, but it kept falling off. <laughs> I just have this image of you walking through a convention center and you walk a little too close to one of the metal girders holding it up and just like, Whoop. oh, I'm stuck here now. <laughs> that is 100% going to be me one day because like magnets are magical. You're like, oh, it sits on here perfectly and it stays here and I didn't even have to glue it. But, but then that's perfect because then that way you just get a friend to sort of push you a little higher up the wall. And then you're just like, ride a kick! <laughs> now that everyone knows this, they're just going to start throwing magnets at me while I walk around and seeing where they stick. Because <laughs> that's my, like, secret tip to cosplay. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's a strong enough magnet, you can just have your badge hang off of it. <laughs> Actually, oh, yes. Yeah. Um, I've had... Actually, several injuries because at first I ordered magnets for too strong because I didn't realize how powerful they could be. And it like magneted like my fingers. It magneted some things together that I could Ooh. never get apart again. And I was like, okay, I got to like tone it down with these like crazy magnets. And they're definitely <sighs> not going to let me put this in my luggage and fly to California. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, magnets are like the perfect way to, you know, adhere armor pieces and stuff like that compared to like trying to create straps or anything like that, which are definitely harder yes. in so, so many ways. <laughs> oh my god. Between that and Velcro, that's my favorite. <sighs> Velcro, bless you. I imagine that those two things are probably very useful if you're really serious about cosplaying a writer and want to do form changes. <laughs> yes, I would imagine so. <laughs> I feel like oh. the hardest thing to that, though, is that you would need an entire posse of people to not only carry around mm. your armor, but you would need them to put it on you. Like, I think that Nicole was there when I had to be dressed in Colin Ryder yeah. Kivala, and it took like 30 minutes and two people to just dress me in this outfit. <laughs> because you can't bend over once you have part of it on. So I'm like, I can't oh, reach yeah. my toes. And that's pretty close to what actual shows do, because they have to have the form changes suit on standby. And like for Gaim, for for shows like Gaim, they just like took the body armor off and put a different armor on top of the on top of the base suit. Um, and so yeah. like they have to have a whole team there, because if you don't, then the film is just gonna slow right down, and they can't keep filming because they just gotta have teams on standby. Be just like, okay, change change outfits. <laughs> you know, I never thought of it, but that makes perfect sense. It's like having a pit crew change your tires, but they have to change your whole outfit. <laughs> I was going to say, what you were describing makes it sound like your cosplay is very good because it's uh, comparable to the show. <laughs> Thank you. That's the highest compliment. <laughs> yeah, she's a common rider, y'all. Like, she's a legit common rider because that's what we've had to do over the years. <laughs> I totally get it. One of the most fun things about cosplaying is when kids think you're the real deal. And this happens more often nice. in Sentai suits because, like, Conrader's not too popular in the U.S. with kids. But, I mean, it'll get there. I truly believe in it. Um, but I've had so many kids come up to me and be like, where's your Megazord? Show me the Megazord. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
it doesn't fit in the parking lot, but it's out there somewhere. <laughs> I've made so many excuses. <laughs> I love when the actual actors do that too. Like my favorite <laughs> is always uh, with Gaim where he says that uh, uh, a lot of kids are afraid of me when they see me because they think there's a monster nearby. <laughs> you know, that makes perfect sense. Now I'm like reconsidering some of these interactions because some kids were like super excited and some kids immediately started crying. It was just like too much. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh no, so I'd always a like crouch down to their level and be like, high five. And they'd usually be like, oh, okay, this is okay. <laughs> Aww, but it must be weird so seeing cute. your hero in the flesh, which is totally what they think. <laughs> I've had that with some of my shoots as well, as well. Like, because we don't, because when I film, I'm always just doing it in like parks and places because it's Japan. It's impossible to buy a location for an hour. Um, and so people walk past and every so often you get a, a family walk past and like the little kids will be just like, look, it's a hero. And like they'll want, and the family will want a, fo- a group photo with this hero. Oh my That's gosh. That's so cool. That is so sweet. Oh my gosh. That makes my heart so happy. Because like in Japan, what's nice is like, all the local heroes that they have so the kids can go to the local hero stage shows and like get to know them so that is so cool that is a good segue for you max so why don't you tell us like what's the process that you take for you know like actually video shooting these like what cameras do you have what kind of microphone do you have like Tell us all the good details on the equipment that you have. And definitely if you can give us any insights into like how some of the suits are created, we, I'm sure people would be very interested in knowing. Okay. Um, so I'm probably going to go on a slightly different tangent to Procrastor Ranger here um, because I didn't make any of the suits and stuff myself um, for like, so as I mentioned for the hero suits, I paid a professional to make it because I'm just not good. So, so that's the first and major step of making any, any Tokusatsu show is the hero. You have to have the concept and you have to have the suit. Once you get those two things, people will be just like, oh, he's serious. He means it. And this is the character he's doing. Like when you can show them a picture and be like, this is what we're going to, this is what the show is going to be about. Then that gets people more on board and they know that you're, that you're taking this seriously. You're not just like, um, or you're not all talk. Um, so the suit process, as far as I've seen, like I, the, the guy who makes the suit occasionally stands by on my shoots to like help repairs when everything goes, when anything goes wrong, but uh, making a tokusatsu suit is not that different from doing it for a cosplay. It's just that instead of doing it off an, off a character, you know, you're just doing something original. But as far as I can tell, independently, the making, the production process is essentially the same. So what we said earlier about Procrasta Ranger being an actual rider, you know, she's she's made an actual suit. There's not really a lot of different. I don't think there'd be a lot of difference if you compared the two suits. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so once you get the suit, then you can start getting people together and you need to find like actors and actresses to be like, it's one thing to find suit actors and people who can actually do the action and the stunt stuff. It's another to find the people who will be in front of the camera which is almost as hard because you've got to find people who know how to act. So that's getting the people. And then equipment. So I filmed Tekoraija on a Zakti camera. Uh, these days I've moved up to a GH Panasonic GH4. So um, my next project is going to be filmed in 4K. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so once you've got the suit and the people, uh, you then need to just sort of schedule out like what order you're going to film everything in and then look for locations. So like you, you got to write the screenplay so that everyone knows like what their lines and everything is. Uh, that's tricky for me because I'm, I'm not the best at writing, but I've done my best. Then um, one of the hard parts of filming in Japan is that there's a lot of red tape. So essentially, you ha- if you want to film independently but don't want to shell out a fortune to book like a park or somewhere or a st- filming studio for an hour, you you've essentially have to find public spaces and just find an area where not of that space where not a lot of people go like find a park or uh, uh, an alleyway or a friend's rooftop and you film there because you can get away with filming it for cheap and then if the police come around they can just you can just be like oh we're just doing this for fun and this is like a a private space i've actually i've actually gotten done by that because i tried to film one thing one time with some friends and they said they had this really good location which was under a highway pass and we went there and my first clue should have been that they made me hop a fence Oh, God. <laughs> Long story short, got hauled off by the police, shouted out for a bit, and then told, okay, this was just an accident. No harm done. You can go. Um, so, yeah, the, so the red tape's a hard part. But essentially, once you get through that, and once you've got the scheduling and the locations down, then it's just a question. Then you just got to, like, get right into it and film everything. Film, like, uh, so for the first Tekka I think I filmed all the action in about... Um, a total of a day and a half over two weekends. Oh, Ooh. wow. Um, and then the drama took uh, like another two days to film, like like the non-suit related stuff. Um, and so then, uh, then I got um, stuck into editing. And for editing, I use uh, Premiere, Adobe Premiere Pro, which is really good, uh, really good software for editing everything. So that's the visual side, and for the mute, then you just got to think about like special effects and stuff, like what free, uh, royalty-free stock footage and special effects you can get from you can get from online. Um, as I said, I'm doing this independently. I can't buy like proper CG equipment or proper um, like or buy official stock footage. So I have to do it as cheaply as possible. Um, and then uh, I got really lucky on the music though. So I I go to a local yakitori place frequently and I meet like various people who work in anime and everything. I met the, I re- I met the guy who wrote the manga the Ultra 7 manga uh reboot where essentially it's about a like a high school. It's really confusing. I'll I'll find I'll see if I can find it later. <sighs> and that was where and that was where I met the the musician who uh I mentioned earlier his name is Endo Stahe. He is a professional musician. He did the theme song for the Hakodate local hero, Ikadabesa, and he... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the anime uh, something Dakujitsu? Uh, Kajitsu? Something? Mm. Um, I've, I've, done a, I've done an excellent job of researching things I wanted to talk about, by the way, as you can tell. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, but there was like a, a plug-in song in that anime, and he did that. Um, and um, and yeah, I spoke to him and showed him about this stuff. And he and I was lucky because he's a big nerd too. Essentially, everybody who helps you do this is a big nerd, if, uh, like a big Tokusatsu fan or a big nerd in some form or another. It's ve- like 
I don't think anybody who worked with me has not liked or not known anything about Tokusatsu before uh, before filming. So it, so it's essentially a group effort. It's like you know, you just get people who are on your wavelength and get everybody together, and you just like go about and start filming. Um, so I don't know if that answers a- any question. No, it absolutely does. So can you tell me about? Uh, I guess more about the filming process. So you mentioned how you filmed, you know, action in a day and a half. So you started filming the action scenes first and then the drama. Can you tell me about, you know, just more about how that works? Um, So whether you film all the action first or all the drama first, uh, I guess that's just a scheduling issue. But like who's available when? Um, for me, like, so for the first Tekaraija, I shot all the action first because that's, like, the key bit of a Tokusatsu show. So, you know, make sure, which often takes the most amount of people because you've got to have uh, the stunt people and you've got to have the actors and actresses, like, for pre-standby, for pre-transformation and, like, hostages and stuff like that. Um, and so once you get, like, the when you get the bigger filming sequences out of the way, then it's easier to focus on, like, the little bits. And drama is very easy to do um because you don't really need to like carry huge amounts of luggage everywhere um that's something you've got to you've got to carry and haul all the suits and everything so you've got to think about like where you can go and film um where you can actually get your um get your stuff to then yeah essentially like the, the filming process um for the drama scenes like you film I got the drama filming bits done, even for the action scenes, I got those drama bits done pretty quickly, so that way uh, we could just sort of freehand it with action, essentially. Like, I I don't want to script action. I I don't want it to sort Mm -hmm. of, like, be wooden and be, like, a bit unrealistic. So it's fun to sort of, like, uh, that's it's fun to sort of make that up on the day. And that's another important bit, is that, like, you got to make sure everybody's enjoying themselves, because if it's, like, if it's like work or it's um or if the, no one's having a good time then no one's really going to help you out next time even if you pay them yeah and then i guess the other major issue that affects filming is the weather so um i'm sure this is something procrastinator ranger will understand is that um the tokusatsu suits do not survive water really well the the glue comes undone the foam does, starts dissolving and like the wetter you get the the suits the they just fall apart and whereas big production companies like toy and everything they can afford the repairs and afford to make like multiple versions of the same suit um if you're doing it independently you essentially like when it's um when it's rainy weather you just essentially like okay we can't film outside because it's raining and the suit will get damaged and when it's hot weather like in the middle of summer you can't film because your actors are going to die because the suits yeah, don't basically. yeah the suits don't breathe you, they don't breathe and there's very little visibility um so you can't really ask people to do action in 40 plus degrees heat out in japan so you know no so no filming during summer or at least no action filming during summer so it's it's a complicated it, it's not an easy process I, i'm i hope i'm not putting people off i think you know more people getting involved in Tokusatsu is good, but it's not an easy process. And you just have to like, understand that you're going to have to work around a lot of things to try and do it as cheaply as possible. Or you're going to have to shell out a fortune to buy studios and stuff. And um, you just have to understand that, you know, 
it, it's not an easy process, but it's a fun process. You know, you're doing something that you enjoy. You're doing something that no one is going to be like, wow, this guy's doing this. I did something like that. And you're, it's very freeing. I'm trying to think of how best to describe this, but it's a really amazing feeling to like have this hero suit to see it doing things in video and then to be like, I made that. That was me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's great about like all of you guys and the creative pursuits that you've done. It's nice, of course, when it all starts to come together and you're watching it come together and you're like, I did that. I made that. And like, that's so cool. I'm currently working on my next project, which uh, I think I mentioned this um, to Nicole some before. Um, so my next project is going gonna, is gonna to be Entakukishi Avalon. It's going to be a night-themed hero uh, who is in Tokyo. And this is a project that's really important to me because I want to, because it's going to combine a lot of English culture with Japanese culture. And Interesting. Yeah, and it's like... It's really important to me. I'm also going to be the protagonist in this, so that's going to be fun. Um, and Avalon's also got a Twitter, so you can see pictures of like the suit and stuff going on. Uh, actually, yeah, Nicole-san will have seen a sort of a sort of snippet of the suit because she came to my wedding. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Oh yeah. Uh, for my wedding, we made a Tokusatsu action video with me and my wife because we're insane, and we thought that was awesome. Nice. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> like, that was that was the most extreme project I've ever done because it had a big action sequence. We had we went to Iwafune-san, uh, Mount Iwafune, mm-hmm. which is the um, which everyone will know is like the holy ground of explosions in Tokusatsu, um, and we went and filmed some bits there because there was a cosplay event there where you could go along and you could take photos and they would give you explosions. Real explosions in the background. Nice. So if you if you're a cosplayer and you ever come to Japan, come. I will let you know when the next explosion filming is going on, and you can go up and do and bring a cosplay and be exploded on. Please, that's my bucket list of things to do. Yeah, we've been wanting to do this for years. <laughs> yes. So you, we we're gonna hit them up. <laughs> I think the next one is set for October of this year. Just throwing that out there. Corona, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. So, um, so yeah, obviously with Corona going on right now, production is basically ground to a halt. Like right before I was ready to start filming, um, essentially everything, I uh, like Corona hit. And so I couldn't ask actors to turn up because A, it's not safe for them. It's not safe for everyone else. And frankly, I can't afford their health insurance. So um so Corona is really putting a ground a ground halt on the project, but um, I really hope that I can get to making that next year or at some point, or maybe later this year, um, because I really there's not a lot there aren't many foreigners doing tokusatsu in Japan. There's one other who is the local hero of Iga, and that's a French guy doing that. So and he and I are in contact, and he's really cool. Um, but otherwise, you know, it, I just really think that it would be a fun project to do to like mix the cultures and everything. Yeah. I love the idea of that. I definitely do. There's, there's so much that 
tokusatsu can allow for so much creativity and there's so much you can do with it in cosplay and creating your own heroes and this is also a good segue from mal because like tell us about your creative process when it comes to writing when it comes to drawing like what kind of goes through your mind as you're you know creating your own original characters so i guess we, we brought up tools uh digital art, so there's much less to talk about because it comes down to a tablet and a program. Uh, that t- program for uh, drawing is Paint Tool Sai. Oh. Yeah, that's a uh, Japanese program, I believe. And then uh, I also like to like, be thorough, so it's not just like a drawing of a character, it's also a, a picture of the transformation item. I uh, use Flash for that. I don't know if Flash is going to be usable after 2020, but uh, it is a good place for, like, vector kind of art. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Sometimes it's a mix of both because, uh, for example, the writer gashettes uh, have artwork on them, so I'll, like, draw something up and then use that as the cover art in a gashette. I may be doing that with uh, Saver now with Wonder Books. Or Wonder Ride books. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see your artwork on that. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be very complicated because of the way they've uh, laid it out. But yeah, that might be interesting to work on. Um, with writing, uh, I, I'm i a huge fan of Dragon Ball and a very biased fan of Akira Toriyama and how... Uh, transparent he is about how lazy he is and i think i've inadvertently kind of adopted his writing style which is to almost make it up as i go along sometimes where it's like i i will try to plan things out i will try where i'll start writing up a summary but what usually happens is once i've gotten halfway through the summary of the story i want to tell i'm like yeah i'm ready to write and then i just start writing I like that. I like that. I like that. It seems like you're kind of like a go with the flow kind of writer. Yeah. Um, With Gaim, it was like a whole series retail. But for the most part, the thing I do is I refer to them as specials. It's basically my way of saying this is kind of like a little movie. Um, I try to get in at least one of those per series. Um, about where I've stopped uh, writing as much was X-Aid, which is unfortunate because I was in the middle of X-Aid. With that one, it was going to be like a series of chapters that take place after certain episodes, each one different episode. Um, Build is one that I really want to do because it will be a multi-chapter sequel to Build. Which uh, I've definitely... uh, introduced it already like uh online i've already posted like a little movie that establishes the premise uh basically it is sento working for a multiverse organization with a decade style writer oh that's a very interesting idea so it's basically geo before geo actually uh i when uh, when i started planning this out it was before geo started so I was like, oh, I'm already doing my own crossover. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. And uh, it obviously haven't really properly started it yet. But now that Gio is over, I know what missed opportunities there were for Gio. So uh, that's a good thing. 
Oh yeah, that's a whole no. I mean, we had that conversation mm. in the the retrospective podcast, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's interesting. Can you tell me about how you keep like each chapter in a story cohesive? Because I know that can be really difficult. As you're, you know, if you kind of have the writing style, that's more go with the flow. Yeah. Um, one thing that's definitely changed since I started is what I consider to be a good chapter length. Uh, basically, it just comes down to the size of the text file. Chapter one of the Gaim uh, retelling was actually 19 kilobytes. That's pretty good. And then mm-hmm. from there, it was like 10 kilobytes each, or just about. Uh, for the latest stuff that I'm doing, it's more like 20 kilobytes. Oh, what yeah, is that in pages? Sorry. I don't know what that means. What is 20 kilobytes? <laughs> yeah, like how many pages would you say would be in a chapter, I guess? Like, in in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm on AO3. Like, how long do I have to scroll down on the on the page to read it, I guess? Well, okay, so I don't normally use the term chapter unless it's like a big thing like dime. But when it comes to these like one-off stories, it's usually... The way I point it out is like, oh, I'll just do this for like uh, two or three parts. And then I'm like, oh, this is going pretty long. I guess it's going to be one more part. (laughs) I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. Oh, man. Writing is such a very interesting process. I think everybody that I've talked to that does writing or used to write, they all have their own process. Like I've met some people that are very like researched and know what they're going to talk about and the chapter comes out that way and then I love the idea of just like going with the flow and getting it you know having it all come together so that's so interesting can you tell me just going back to your digital art can you tell me Mm -hmm. more about like the process of how that comes together like if you start with line art like how you color things in tell us about that yeah um when it comes to, well, I guess a part of uh, doing character design is also like coming up with the design. Um, I I tried to, uh, originally what I was actually doing with a lot of uh, characters from Gaim, for example, is, and this sounds really dumb now that I'm uh, about to put it into words, is that I would actually base them on actor likenesses just to try to get something that looks like it would fit into Toku. But uh, since X8, I've just kind of been winging it. Just like, okay, I'll just come up with the design that looks good. I mean, that's what X-Aid did, so. <laughs> and uh, with Zero uh, One right now, I've been making Huma Gear writers uh, before we got the reveal of Hurobi and Jin. Uh, and I've been trying to make each of them very unique from one another. It's like, because like if you, unfortunately, if you look at all the Huma Gears in the show, hey, there's one that wasn't Asian. MC, check it out. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I was waiting all series for a humor gear that was a foreigner and his job was interpreting. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine if it, <laughs> we had a humor gear like that? Yeah, that would have been amazing. Missed opportunity for sure. Unfortunately, too late because I've already decided on the professions of the ones I've made. Fair enough. <laughs> I was wondering with the writing, how do you decide where to start? Because there's so many shows and so many things that possibly could happen. What makes an idea be like, this is the one? Yeah, that's a good question. That's part of the winging it part where I just write it as I go along. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) 
Uh, I, I tried to give the show a little bit of time to develop. I think with the Gaim retelling, I waited until like, uh, because I was still doing stuff with Wizard at the time, I waited until like episode 15 or so, which was when the uh, Genesis Driver characters got introduced. So I was at least uh, far enough behind the show that I could uh, reasonably pivot when new developments happen in the show. That makes sense. I guess that would be good. Yeah, so you can actually be more flexible when the show is airing. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about uh, the concept of leaks and spoilers for Ryder? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, geez. I was going to say, one thing that I definitely benefited from was when toy catalogs came up and you could see multiple things that are coming out for several months. So it's like, okay, now I know what the show is going to do. Let me see if I can make something that the show isn't doing. Oh, that's smart, at least. That's one way to utilize them. Uh, ironically, I ran into a lot of issues predicting where Ghost was going to be going. But at the same time, I also uh, benefited from the fact that before the belt was even released, someone had triggered all the sounds on the toy demo in a store. Oh my god. These are all the icons that they're probably going to be using the show. I won't make these historical figures. To be fair, I think the actual writers for Ghost didn't know where the story was going either. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, like, uh, I think that uh, Ghost might have been one where I wrote something super early on to the point that uh, Makoto or Spectre was still this unnamed character. Oh, that's and, interesting. And I referenced him. That would have been nice. I did a similar thing with leaks once. Um, I made Common Rider X-Aid Riderton from a leak, and it was, like, completely mm. wrong from the actual one once you saw it. <laughs> because, like, oh it was just, gosh. like, a blurry image, and I repainted a Forza driver. <laughs> but it was fun. And, like, we didn't have any other information at the time. And then, like, a week later, the actual pictures come out, and I'm like, well, I guess I guessed that slightly wrong. But, you know, it's all fun. <laughs> <laughs> you were pretty close, not gonna lie. Like, it looked pretty darn good. That was, oh, I remember when you showed that. That was so good. I was gonna say, you could just play it off like, no, no, this is the, uh, the, the spoiler, the blurry spoiler leaked version. Oh <laughs> not the dollar store version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the vinyl figure. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess if, if you know, leaks and all that can be helpful, then at least they're helpful in that regard. <laughs> Speculating is fun also. I actually really like when people are like, no, it's going to be this or that. I know that most of them aren't going to be true, but it's fun to just think about them. <laughs> I also, uh, another thing that I do just kind of looking at what the show is doing, uh, I tried not to be too generic with my name choices just because I always am anticipating that time where I choose a name and then the show makes a character with that name. Yeah, you know, that can happen. That could definitely happen. <laughs> the, the closest thing that's happened is that with X-Aid, my main writer was puzzle-themed and then we got Paradox, but it's like a very different take. Huh, you guessed that one. Yeah, well, I thought, well, you know what? It's fine for, there's more than one puzzle game in the world, so that's fine. And then I that kind of led me to do things like uh, I have a character with a sports gamer form that's a different kind of sports game. 
I mean, X Aid was wild. So like, yeah. you could never know. You never knew what kind of suits they were going to pull off in that show. God, some of the designs in that show were terrible. <laughs> like to this day, I still hate Mighty Action, um, like Maximum Mighty Gamer, or whatever, whatever his like de- semi power super form was. Was it the big boy? Big boy? <laughs> big boy. <laughs> the one where they very quickly realized this we can't move, so we're just going to do all the fights in CG, and then they realized we can't do all the fights in CG, so you're just going to have to pop out and fight normally. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Oh my god, those big boy suits. Mm. Especially when they gave Gem that in the Gem vs. Laser movie. I was like, I can't believe they did another suit for him like that. I think he wore it for like two seconds practically you know and then the rest the color scheme for the game version was better but still (laughs) still it was just so uh, so stupid i think i think the game one uh benefits from it's kind of a silly design and also gem's version is called maximum uh like maximum god mighty x level Mm. billion i love that name (laughs) i I do love that name Oh my god. I've made it a habit to buy, like, any toy that's got the name Max in it. I've sort of made a habit of that. And I've tried really hard not to buy the Maximum Mighty game or whatever it is. Oh, jeez. That's so funny. But yeah, that's what I like about, like, writing, designing, and creating cosplays. I like when you can see people creating their own original work where it is, you know, of course it is inspired by tokusatsu, but I love the idea of putting together that's something completely your own, you know, from start to finish. It's so cool to see you guys do that. I will also say, uh, last thing on, like, making characters and stuff, I really prefer series where it's basically built for introducing more characters, like Gaim or X-Aid. It's like, okay, this is easier to work with. I kind of guessed that Ghost would be that kind of show, and it turns out, oh, uh, the main character is actually special, that's why he gets a Ghost Driver. Oops. Gotta come up with a reason for mine. Yeah. Well, this ain't no ghost hating podcast here. (laughs) Oh, no, it wasn't even like, uh, it wasn't even like an insult towards ghosts. It's just like, oh, I I did a shot in the dark and I got wrong. Well, I guess I'm going to do a little bit of retconning to explain my character's existence. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I mean, that's that's what they do in the shows, you know, so Mm. it's it's not too far off from what we actually see in tokusatsu, but uh moving a little bit along i think i want to ask each of you guys like what's your favorite you know like cosplay writing that you've done like maybe favorite memory from uh being on set for you max so seja do you want to start maybe what's what's your favorite cosplay that you've created i think i already mentioned that it was my dangerous zombie writer time but because Mm. we're talking about favorites um I guess I'll talk about one of my favorite moments. Um, mm-hmm. My friends who I met that first day cosplaying um, when I was wearing Tomoko, they saw me across the dealer's hall and they were like, Tomoko! And they were dressed as Forze. There was a whole group what? of them. And they had never, nice. they were like, oh my god, someone else is cosplaying Forze. Um, they've moved to Japan since then. I've kept in touch with them. I've visited them several times. Um, I know this isn't quite your question, but I would say that my favorite thing is just that 
I made friends that long lasting and friendships that deep from just being like, you know, the Spider-Man pointing at each other meme like you. (laughs) (laughs) You also love tokusatsu. (laughs) And that all happened because of cosplay. Oh, my God. But that's such like that's something that like everybody should know about cosplay is like that happens so often, especially in like the tokusatsu cosplay community. We all kind of are like that Spider-Man meme. We're like. Oh my god, another tokusatsu fan. We're going to be best friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's so much fun. Exactly. Oh my god, can you tell us real quick about I guess the process of how you created your gem rider tan cuz I know you did that just like completely from scratch. Yes. So, I don't know, usually I sketch it out first. Um I'm not a very good 2D artist, so I just kind of sketch the idea. And um, then I usually color it in. They're not very pretty, but they show the idea of it. And then I just kind of think about what supplies I'm going to need. Um, I often spend time thinking about like the parts you don't usually see. Like, what does the back look like? Like, what does what do the feet look like? I really love the detail of heroes books because they show how many details go into these costumes. And I think that's one of the really fun and important things at least in my cosplay is that I'm if I'm making something um I want it to be as detailed and to show that as much love as went into the original if that makes sense mm-hmm. um so yeah I just kind of start there and then gather supplies and draft it up and usually like I'll draft it up um maybe I'll make like a mock-up maybe it won't work it won't fit right the armor armor's tricky getting it all to fit together and then I'll be like oh well I need to make these changes um, usually by the second version, I have it pretty ready to go. Wow. I mean, that takes a lot of work to be able to do that, too. But man, that cosplay was so awesome. Y'all, if you have not seen that cosplay, you are missing out. So go follow her on Instagram. Go follow her on Twitter. Like, come on, y'all. You are sleeping on somebody <laughs> who can really kick ass in cosplay for sure. For Thank sure, you. because that outfit was incredibly cool. Seriously. Oh, wait a minute. Is your, is your title the legendary Mecha Godzilla? Goldazilla? Yes. Oh, Sorry. I'm following you. Oh, that's you. Oh, I thought, you were, I, I thought this was someone else. Oh, cool. No, sorry. I'm from Wisconsin, so I need to make a cheese pun. So that's where that came from. Oh, Gooza. But yes, that's me. Yes, I'm the Mecha Godzilla right now. <laughs> <laughs> You have many names. Oh my god, y'all. This is this is too funny. Jesus. 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 Um, I was tra- Jesus. I was trying to make up on there. But yeah, okay. So, Max, why don't you tell me like a favorite moment that you've had on set on your production? Like maybe something funny that has happened? Oh, so there's oh, there's so many. Um so I, I mentioned the screening we did for Cyber Ninja Tech Arija. That was definitely one of the highlights. Um, God, I think I think one of my favorite memories has to be the first time that Tech Arija's suit got completed, and I see the hit and I see the actor in the full suit. Like we did a test fitting, I'm just like, "This is my hero. This is what I wanted to make," and. That was amazingly fun to do. And then um, oh, some other really good moments. Um, so in the third Tekka film, there is a massive... I did a massive final battle scene where I got a bunch of people and had a massive Centaurian fight. 
And that was definitely a lot of fun to be a part of. Like filming that and like seeing that happen. That was that was a lot of fun to do. Um oh, and then other like other filming memories, like there's so many. I guess uh I don't know if this counts, but filming the wedding video was definitely one of the oh. one of the fun parts. Um Oh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is my if this is one of my favorites, but I do have a, a funny bit. Um, so again, in the third Tekaraja film, um, Tekaraja gets a new form and he gets a power up weapon. And um, I went over this with. The, I won't spoil what it is because I want people to go away and watch it. <laughs> um, um, but so the guy, the suitmaker, brought me the sword, showed me what it does, and just like, don't break this. Because I can never do anything as good as this ever again. This is definitely oh the best quality. I, this is one of the best things I've done. Be careful with it. No pressure. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is a cool thing. Wow. Yeah. I, God. Those suits and like the props and everything are just like, they can be so fragile. So I totally understand. It's been a real learning process. It's like, I have to carry like uh, the G bond and tape and bits with me on set now, in case like the suit gets damaged when someone punches it, and um, and like the the making process as well is just like going backwards and forwards with the maker and being just like, you know, I'd sort of like to have this idea, and he will like he will take out a pen and pe- a pen and paper, and he will like sketch something, and be just like, is this what you mean? I'm just like, yes. And like that, like that was that's part of the, that's one of the fun bits is like get, is like when you realize the other person gets what you're trying to do and is like really supportive of you. Yeah, yeah, that's a really cool aspect of like what you do in particular because it does, like you said, take a group effort, and it is really important to have such cooperation between everybody. So yeah, oh, I can imagine you have so many like really memorable moments on set and hopefully you've had some fun times with like you know the actors and directing them and all that ah that sounds so nice yeah directing it i i enjoy directing but it is a bit of like you do need to have a bit of people skills like you have to like you have to lead the crowd but you have to not become a dictator if that makes sense like you have to make sure everyone's having a good time but not be just like okay stop we're doing this and like sometimes i have had to put my foot down like I've had some actors who were just like, like not not being negative, but they just sort of like, like their way of speaking is a bit. Like I've had one actor who sort of talks a lot when he's not on set, and it's sort of like I, I appreciate it, but it's just like I need you to stop because I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And yeah, that's the other, that's another part of this is like I'm doing this in Japan. Everyone's speaking Japanese, and they appreciate that I speak Japanese. So that makes the process a lot easier. But yeah, so sometimes there are a bit of like communication issues because filming language and regular Japanese are not the same. So like you have to learn the lingo for um, like okay, you have to do a maigeri uh, and then a uh, 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 ukemi, and like there's a lot of terminology you need to look up in advance so that people will understand what you want them to do. Yeah, that makes sense. That I mean, I didn't even know that stuff. So that's that's really fascinating to know. It's not huh. something you will know, and it's one of the things I really I I'm one of the things I'm really disappointed about in Tokusatsu DVDs is that they don't make good making of videos. Right? 
One thing I really hope is that one day Sakamoto-san makes something. Uh, Sakamoto Koichi, uh, director of... Uh, okay, everyone, know, everyone knows who he is, right? Yeah. <laughs> the Power Rangers guy. <laughs> Narr- narrowing it down, but yeah. Um, one day I hope he makes something and he has a proper making of video, like almost like the, what the Lord of the Rings did, where you see the process and like you hear like what goes into it. And like that would... I would buy that in a heartbeat. Like, I would pay so much money to make that happen. God, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know what you just reminded me? I really want to see a, some sort of documentary that just goes through, here's how we make a writer. Well, I, I, as I said, I'm partway through production now, but one thing I really want to do is I really want to do a making of uh, Avalon. Like, I, I've sort of gone a bit through the, like the suit's already made so i can't really go through that bit but i would really like to have like a behind a proper behind the scenes story thing going on there because i think that would be really fun to do and it would be a really and i think people would really enjoy seeing that yeah i liked seeing that too i mean that happens i know i know you've done it seijo where you've kind of showed your work in progress as you're working on something or you know once you've finished it you've kind of showed you know, the different steps. I find that to be really, really interesting to, you know, see all the behind the scenes that goes into any, like, kind of artwork. So that's that's definitely fascinating. And Sakamoto-san, we would, we would love to have some more behind the scenes of the stuff that you do for sure. That I'll do it for awesome. free. You don't even have to pay me. I'll do it for you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Especially behind the scenes filming, I feel like it's so complicated and there's so many moving parts that it's exciting to watch. Like, I would love to see behind the scenes of any tokusatsu film production because that's just so cool. Actually, I just remember, like, I've seen lots of clips from Ultraman behind the scenes and they're really fun to watch, especially, like, especially so for Ultraman, like, one of the really interesting things is, like, the level of detail and the amount of time people put into making the buildings that then get blown up and, t- and turn to scrap. <laughs> the making process would be a really interesting thing, and I really hope that in future we get something like that in, like, more detail. Yeah. Oh, man, don't even get me started on how much I love, like, miniatures at Tokusatsu. That's a whole other podcast. Maybe we should just make a podcast that's like, we love miniatures. <laughs> Anyways, I'd kill to interview somebody that does that for Tokusatsu shows. Anyways, Mal, do you want to talk about maybe, like, what's your favorite piece of writing that you've done, your favorite piece of art, or maybe just, like, funny moments while you've been creating things? So I'm going to cheat a little bit because it's like, well, I've talked about all the stuff that I did with Gaim. So you would think, oh, yeah, that's my favorite thing to work on. Well, what I'm going to talk about instead is a thing that I like to do every year when I can is an April Fool's bit of writing. (laughs) Oh, my. And for Gaim, it was like, you know what the Genesis driver reminds me of? Common Rider G's belt. So I had him show up as a in the style of one of those writers. Oh my gosh. It's just like, he's back. And then like next year during drive, I was still writing Gaim. So I just did like what was presented as part two of a hyper battle DVD style thing. And then he shows up and transforms in a machine chaser kind of way. And then for ghost, I kind of cheaped out because I made a G ghost icon and then said, so G died in a 
heroic sacrifice that was so epic that the story doesn't exist. <laughs> oh my god, dude. <laughs> and uh, for X-Aid, it's video games, it's Kamen Rider. I had Sega Test Sanshiro show up and transform and fight Oh my Gem. god. That would have been so cool. Right? <laughs> and uh, I think for build, I kind of just took a break from that because I wasn't uh, ready to write anything build-related or something. Uh, it was just like, I took a bunch of my female writers and just like, here's a high school AU where they uh, work together almost like a Sentai. It was just like a one-off chapter. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's a really cool idea too. But yeah, that's nice that you have so many like pieces that you have enjoyed creating and enjoyed the process of them too and it's oh man that's the great thing about just like listening to you guys talk about the things you've created over the years i love i love hearing that passion i'm just like i really hope that people can feel inspired by you guys to uh get into doing whatever they love as well which is a great segment I know I'm so good at segments on this podcast today. I was just going to end by saying that uh, I killed off uh, G just because, well, I'm running out of ideas to do with him. But for Geo, I made the exception and just had him show up in the style of one of those cameos. Oh, see, that would have been fun. Come on, man. We need Comrade G. Oh. Didn't they technically do that in the film? I forget. Yeah, they the did G in the summer that? movie. It was like... It was a it was a fight scene that uh, really could not possibly exist because it also had manga Kuga and Kamen Rider Brain. What yeah, that was a lot of that was not a good film, but it was fun to see the, see those random writers turn up. Yep. Yeah, that film was like a fanfic. It was just like, all right, I'm gonna put all these writers together. Let's just excuse any story. This is an AU right now. <laughs> That that was two that was two completely different things. That was the drive standalone arc plus I don't know, I'm assuming the the writers were high or something. They just like <laughs> didn't care. Oh my gosh. Anyways. <laughs> oh, for more Geo talk, I swear. That that series was something. We're not here to hate on shows that exist. I I think that it is incredible that all these shows exist. Um so uh, it's just it's fun to talk to people about this yeah it is it is super fun i'm glad that, that you guys are with me on the podcast today all right let's just jump in real quick to talk about now if somebody who is listening right now is interested into you know maybe getting into writing maybe they want to create their own indie toku hero or getting into cosplaying i guess we'll we'll go around and ask you know what what would you say to somebody what kind of advice would you give to them seja do you want to start if somebody was interested in cosplaying for the first time sure um i would say probably start small um do something which you can thrift a lot of the parts um don't choose anything too overwhelming because you might get discouraged um so mm. it's important to choose something which you think will be fun which you'll be able to maybe do with your friends um i would say that just be nice to yourself about it because people don't get skills that quickly so wherever you're at with cosplay is awesome. Like, don't stress and just go out and have fun. Um, I think that's usually my main advice for cosplay. 
Um, I also think that if there's cosplayers you like, um, they're usually happy to give you advice. So definitely reach out to them and be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And I have done this all the time with so many people. I've done this with Nicole, too, being like, what do you think yep. about this? <laughs> and sometimes and you vice get versa, new let ideas. Me tell you. <laughs> mm-hmm, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I. that's pretty much my main advice. Um, one thing I would say is that I personally have not had good luck with tokusatsu cosplay commissions. And so... Mm-hmm. Unless you're prepared to wait years and years and years, or if you have a special close relationship with a cosplay maker, you may just want to do it yourself. That's honestly why I started to make my own Rider and Sentai suits, is because one day I was like, I'm tired of waiting three years for my cosplay to arrive. I'm going to do it myself in mm-hmm. these three years. And I did. And you can too. Nice. So just, yeah. I don't know, just start wherever you can and you'll get to where you want to be. That's really good advice, too, because I know cosplay is definitely very different nowadays than it was, you know, when you were starting or even before then. There's quite a lot of pressure, I've noticed, in, you know, first-time cosplayers. They might feel that pressure is like, I'm not as good as the people that I see or the people that I admire. So that's really excellent advice. Like, start small, you know do a project that's really fun or do a cosplay that's really fun for you. Don't have like this huge expectation that like you're going to just like nail it completely or everything's going to be 100% perfect because God, I mean, I'm a perfectionist, so I totally get that kind of mentality. But yeah, that's really, really good advice for sure. Now, Max, what would you say to somebody that wants to get into kind of creating their own tokusatsu hero, their production? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? What kind of advice would you give them? Uh, so a lot of it is going to echo what um, Seja just said. Um, so first of all, you can't make tokusatsu alone. You can't do everything by yourself. You need people to help you. You need you are going to need to be you're going to need friends. You know, it's a group effort in every sense. And if anybody is looking for, has advice, or as as I said, if anybody has any questions, then I'm always happy to help people. If there's anyone in Japan who wants to come onto one of my next shoots and help out and see what that's like, I would would welcome them with open arms. Um, But it's a process of helping each other and if you are driven and you know what you want to make, then it's going to be a really, then it will be a fun thing to do. Um, I think the other thing I would say is it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be cheap. Um, if you don't know anyone who is good at making cosplays or making these suits and things, then yes, you would need to, you need to learn how to make them yourself. And you're just going to have to persevere and you're going to have to, um, you're going to have, it's going to take time for it to get to where you want it to be. Um, but if you plow up, if you push on and you keep your eyes on the prize, then um, the result, even if, even if no one else watches it, then you've done something that you can be proud of and that you can say, I made this. I enjoyed making this and I have no regrets. 
That's really good advice. I think it's definitely important to have patience and perseverance because you're right, it is difficult. It is difficult to do any of the things that you guys are doing for sure, you know, and it's it's something that you may need to understand that you may not be good at at first, you know, especially if you're using skills that you don't necessarily have or you need to work on. So that is excellent, excellent advice for sure. I feel like with... um. Instagram and social media now there is this extra pressure that you should be amazing at something before you ever show it to someone and that's not the case we're not born amazing at anything we get better at it through Mm -hmm. practice and so I think that it's just important that people whatever the creative pursuit is know that it's okay to be to practice it's okay to be a beginner like if you have in your mind what your dream is and what your goal is you will get there yeah yeah you almost have to sort of not care what other people think. You know, if it's important to you, that's the most important thing. You know, if if no one else likes that photo on Instagram or if no one else, uh, if you don't get any views on the video, then who cares? You know, you still did it. You still made the effort to do it. And that's the most important thing to remember. Yeah. Absolutely. Be proud of your work. Mm-hmm. 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 I definitely agree. Now, Mel, I know... A lot of what goes into writing and creating, it always seems like, you know, such a difficult thing to do because it's hard to get out of your own head. I know, I mean, I I guess I'm speaking from just personal things of like me trying to write things. It's always hard to get out of my own head to be like, oh, am I even really a good writer? Is this going to make any sense? I don't know if you have any advice for people that want to get more into drawing or want to get more into writing but they can't get out of their own head of like maybe I'm just not good enough for this what are your thoughts on that well for that in particular I will say I follow way too many artists so I can guarantee you that no matter how good they are everyone is their own worst critic so don't worry about that just keep pushing forward if you have something you like just Keep going with it. Wow. Yeah, that's definitely true. How? What kind of advice do you have for people, you know, just wanting to get started as well? Conveniently, uh, I don't know if you would want to link this on the uh, podcast post, but conveniently on DeviantArt, where I post all this stuff, uh, I have a submission that is called How to Writer, a Character Creating Guide by a Passionate Fan. And uh, it is... Uh, a I'm just like reading off the disclaimer here. The content here is subjective and by no means the only way to do things. It merely serves to provide a perspective and an understanding of how I go from step A to step B to so on. Use this knowledge however you may like. And it is just uh, it's general advice like uh, understanding what the themes of a common writer show might be. Uh, playing off of that. Understanding that suits have motifs uh, when it comes to designing your own. Uh, I link to a convenient uh, site that lets you like see what colors go well together. And uh, oh. I also talk a little bit about writing. Like uh, one thing that I constantly come back to when I'm talking about writing with others, I'm not really an expert, but one thing that I like coming back to is the 22 rules of storytelling according to Pixar. Oh, interesting such as uh, combining character ideas or personalities and roles to reduce the number of characters, uh, figuring out where your story ends and working your way backwards, 
uh, paying attention to the fiction you like to understand what makes it appeal to you. That sort of thing. Huh. I had no idea that they actually had something where you could get that kind of advice. So yes, I we will make sure that in the podcast article or wherever uh, the description, you know, we'll make sure that that information is there because that would be a really great starting point for anybody interested in writing for sure. So, some of my own notes when it comes to like the writing part is I talk about things like uh, uh, if a character is good at everything, then there's not really any stakes. Uh, being down to earth and relatable is fine, but don't dwell too much on mundane things or else it might get boring and dragged out. Like it's, it's just a lot of, these are some things that I think are important for writing. It's very mm. subjective, but I think it'll probably help you along the way. Yeah, it would be a good starting point. It doesn't even necessarily have to be for writer. It could just be a general uh, guide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of things in writer, you know, there's different tropes and stuff that you, that can help enhance your writing, you know, that you can always play from. But that's a really good starting point. Yes, we'll definitely uh, add that to the description. Uh, Mal, send me that later, please. <laughs> yep. So I can make sure to include it. All right. We're going to start wrapping up. So the last question I have for all of you is what are you guys working on now? And what do you guys have planned for the future? And of course, please plug your social media or wherever you want people to find you at as well. So Seja, do you want to start? Sure. Well, you guys have got me on this common writer Tomoko thing right now. But uh, <laughs> so that might be the next thing I do. <laughs> I am looking Ooh. for a new project. Um, I'm just finishing up an Izu cosplay from Zero One. Um, I haven't nice. worn her anywhere, obviously, because there's nowhere to go. Um, <laughs> yep. But I would like to wear that at conventions at some point here. <laughs> I don't know if this complicates things, but I always imagine it being like a meteor style character because she was doing some of his uh, kind of martial arts at one point. Yes, oh. wasn't she? You guys have got me thinking. See, I'm going to credit you guys once I figure this out. That Yeah, I think that'll be my next project. <laughs> like... Just be like, thanks to the Tokusatsu Network. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find you on social media? I know, we, I know we said it already, but just so people can, you know, follow you properly. Sure. I am at Procrastoranger on pretty much every social media. Um... I have a lot of interests, so you may find that it's not just tokusatsu. Sorry in advance. Um, but I'm happy if you follow me. Um, if you ever have questions or want to chat about cosplay or tokusatsu, I'm happy to. I'm a big old nerd. Um, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Big old nerds here. Definitely. We all are. <laughs> Max, I know you talked about your newest project, Avalon, coming up. Do you want to tell us where we can find out more information about it, perhaps? Okay. Um, so, first of all, so to see any videos I make as they come out, uh, go to YouTube and find Shield and Sword Productions. Um, or just look for Cyber Ninja Tekaraja and then follow the channel that's, that's part of. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am uh, capital S, small a, capital S, capital P, capital M, A, X. That's S-A-S-P, Max. Uh, you can also follow Avalon himself on Twitter. And that is RTK Avalon 1000. 
I like that username. <laughs> um, so that's Avalon's independent Twitter. Um, he posts things occasionally. Um, and I post all kinds of various bits on my Twitter as well. Um, that's basically where you will find the most um, up-to-date information. I also am on Instagram. And if you give me a second, I'll just remember what my name is. Um, okay, on Instagram, I'm Blade Master Max, all one word, all lowercase. Um, and it, Instagram's sort of more like for fun for me. I don't really post like new stuff there, but you can also you could find out when I'm filming stuff again, um, whenever that happens. Um, and yeah, uh, please follow, like, and subscribe the videos. And um, yeah, I hope to see you. I hope you will support Avalon in the future. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to, I've plugged a lot on this I'm podcast. I'm going to plug something else. Avalon is going to appear on TV very soon. Um, Ooh. So there is a group in Japan called L4. They do uh, Ninja Deppu. They do uh, Gayuki Get. Basically, they do local hero stuff. And they are working on an anime project where they have gathered local heroes from all over Japan to appear together in an anime. And Avalon will have a pretty significant role in that anime. Dang. Oh my gosh. Pure blind luck and coincidence again. Uh, so it's not, it's not exactly how I expected Avalon's debut to be. Uh, but he's going to be out there in some form soon. So, hope, so uh, find... Uh, you can probably find L4 on Twitter as well. So if you follow them as well, you'll find information about that. Um, or if you just follow Avalon, then he will post information when that becomes available. Avalon's an anime character. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, Mel, can you tell us about like where people can find you on social media? Maybe what you're working on as well? Yes, uh, I'm pretty easy to find because... Uh, most of the time that I've been on the internet, I've just been Malunis, M-A-L-U-N-I-S, uh, mainly on Twitter at the moment. I think I've got a lot of things that I really want to be uh, working on in terms of fan fiction, uh, like Exade. That's how far back I am, again. But also, um, like, there was a crossover thing. Also, I've been trying to do, like, a yearly crossover kind of fan fiction, uh, there was one in 2019 that still hasn't concluded. That's kind of how bad 2020 has been. Um, but I'm more regularly working on Zero One right now. So I guess check out the first thing that I've done for Zero One, which is a two-parter thing. Ooh. Now, do you is there like a particular site that you post um, the fanfics or I know you spoke about your deviant art. Do you want to tell people yep. like the username for your deviant art? Excuse me. Yeah, it's just deviantart.com slash M-A-L-U-N-I-S. And uh, that's the only place right now that I'm doing the fanfiction. I was at one point uh, trying to see if I could get that stuff on Pixiv the uh, Japanese art site, but mm -hmm. boy, I had a lot of stuff with Gaim that I just could not be bothered to re-upload. Yeah, that makes sense. That that site is a little bit difficult if you're not a Japanese speaker. Also, let me see if I can get the link real quick, because I do have something else that uh, still needs to be kind of updated here and there, but it is M-A-L-U-R-I-D-E-R dot wiki dot dot com that is a 
little wiki that I've made for myself for my fan creations. Ooh, okay, yeah, definitely check that out if you guys want to learn more about like the original characters that Mal has created. That's really cool. You got your own wiki. That's fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast and just like talking about the things that you love and create. This was a really fun conversation. And Mal, again, I'm always thankful when you join us for the podcast because you're always you always have cool things to talk about. And Max, welcome to the podcast for the first time. I hope you had a wonderful experience. I, did. I hope this you'll come fun. on. Yeah, I hope you can join us again. And Seja, thank you so much for hopping on as well and talking about your cosplays. I hope it encourages people to get into cosplay as well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay, so this was episode 57, you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Please be sure to support these lovely people by following them on their social media, wherever they are, supporting the work that they do. Send them really nice, lovely comments saying that they're awesome because they are. And we'll see you for the next episode of the Tokunet Podcast. Bye! 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 The Tokunet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your best resource for official tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platforms such as iTunes or Stitcher. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the tokunet, where if you're at the writer tier level or higher, you can get early access to episodes and more. Team Tokunet will always be online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Goodbye, Zawameshiti! Oh my god. <laughs>